In this week's episode, we do something a little different. Instead of talking to a guest, Devin and I sit down to talk a little bit more about our horse life and what's been happening in it. Unfortunately, Devin and I have both been experiencing health issues with our horses, and we wanted to talk about the different sides of horse ownership and what happens when things don't go according to plan. You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Welcome to The Ride, a bi-weekly podcast brought to you by Horse and Rider Magazine, co-hosted by Nicole Cherico and Devin Conley. In each episode, we chat with some of the industry's top trainers, clinicians, horsekeeping experts, and professionals to share inspiring stories, training philosophies, and the importance of living your best Western horse life. This episode is brought to you by Purina. The PhD equine nutritionists at Purina Animal Nutrition tackle problems using science, and their love of horses keeps them at it until they get it right. Even with the most established feeds, they keep innovating. Even when it takes years of research, they don't stop until it's right. They are dedicated to the scientific method, but it can't capture the feeling of seeing a horse reach their full potential. It takes science and love to help your horses live their best life. Put their research to the test at horseinnovation.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Ride. Uh, Today, we are doing something a little different, only because Devin and I have both been experiencing different challenges that come with owning horses, and we enjoy talking about those things with you all because we know that there are people out there who are also dealing with these things, and um, so we don't have a guest. It's just us talking, and the topics of discussion are kind of health issues that our horses are currently dealing with. Mine, um, I've been pretty open about it with the magazine. My, my editor columns have been very focused on her health issues. She had a second colic surgery two weeks ago. Um, so that's its own thing. And then Devin just purchased a new horse and she's run into some issues as he transitions to her property and, and everything. So we just kind of wanted to talk a little bit more about horse health, our horse life and and kind of how we're going through it. So anyway, Devin, I'm going to let you kind of start to talk about your story since I just kind of gave a brief rundown of what's going on. And uh, yeah, let's learn a little bit more about what's going on with your life. Yeah, it's, this is the very much the less glamorous side of horse ownership, but it is uh, super common, right? Like horses get hurt and I'm sure if you're listening and you have owned horses, you know, for longer than like a week, uh, you've dealt with this too. Horses get hurt, unfortunately. Um, yeah. So I, I bought a gelding uh, a few months ago and he is, he's like the horse of my dreams, right? He's the horse that I've, I've saved for and the horse I've worked for. I bought him from incredible people. He's so well-trained. He's incredibly well broke. Um, he's kind of a jack of all trades. He's a barrel horse. He's a rope horse. He was used as a pickup horse. Um, just like the most solid horse you could ever find. He's, Incredible. Can't sing his praises enough. So I was so excited for the summer to, you know, crack back out on him and kind of start competing again. Um, and about three weeks after having him here, he just, it was like an overnight change, literally an overnight change. Yeah. So horse injuries are just part of the game. Unfortunately, uh, they are something that happens to all of us. Uh, if you've owned horses for Longer than a week, you know that you've dealt with it, I'm sure, and it's not fun. It's definitely the less uh, glamorous side of things. So, 
yeah, what I'm dealing with right now, I bought a gelding uh, a few months ago now. He's just uh, incredible. He's wonderful. He's the horse that horse of my dreams, basically. I bought him from the best people. He's kind of a jack of all trades. He's a barrel horse. He's a breakaway horse. Um, he's been a pickup horse. He's like the best ranch horse you could ever ask for. His name is Wilson. He's just amazing. And got him home. I was really excited to use him this summer, compete. And then about three weeks after getting him home, um, he just had like an overnight lameness crop up. And when I say overnight, I mean overnight. It was truly the day after I'd ridden him, I got on him again and he was refusing to kind of pick up a lope, um, dropping his back end. So even at like a lope or a trot, he'd, he'd kind of drag a hind leg, which in my experience is usually some sort of locking stifle. So that's kind of what I deferred to at first. And so I started to go down the route of like having the chiropractor out, having a, you know, my farrier look at him, having, you know, people like that check him out just to see if there was something small that right off the bat that I was missing. And there was no improvement. In fact, it was a steady progression downhill, which is so frustrating. And so then we went to uh, our first vet visit and we did some things for that. Some like uh, muscle injections, not the SI joint, but around the SI. And then we went to our second vet visit when that didn't work. And we went to our third vet visit and it has truly been just like an uphill battle. And throughout all of this, he kind of continued to lose weight which again, if you own horses and you have horses that you love and care about and you put so much time and effort into them to see that happening is really hard to watch when you're like, why are you losing weight? (laughs) I don't, I'm doing everything I can for you, but just the stress of it and the stress of being injured and, um, all of that was causing a lot of weight loss. So then that became like another battle to conquer. And it's just been, one thing after another. And I wish I could say like, it's been an exact diagnosis. And I wish I I could say this is exactly what's been wrong with him. And this is how we cured it. But I'm honestly still in the throes of trying to, to fix him and get him back to the horse he was when I bought him. So if that's something that you're dealing with, uh, buying a horse, getting him home, and then maybe they get hurt. And all of a sudden, like they're not the horse that you bought. I can empathize uh, because I bought the perfect horse for me and he got hurt. And then it was just this downward spiral of what is wrong with you? How can I fix it? And then it was like a waterfall, right? Of other symptoms. Like Nicole, I'm sure you've experienced that when one thing goes wrong and then (laughs) it's everything that comes after it. Oh, definitely. Yes. Um, No, that's when you told me all this, I was, my mind was blown because you did everything that you're supposed to do as a, as a buyer. You did your pre-purchase exam. You, you rode him prior to the sale. You, I mean, you, you did everything that you were supposed to. And like you said, you bought him from, you know, a great family and, and there was no, nothing there. It's just like such a freak thing for him to, you know, come home. And then three weeks later, all of a sudden develop this overnight mystery lameness. Yeah. And I just made a video about this on my social media. Cause I, that's what I was thinking. And, and Nicole, we've talked about this. Like you can do everything right as a horse owner and things are still going to go wrong. <laughs> it's such a hard pill to swallow. Um, but yeah, you know, I bought from a very reputable seller and from a very reputable high end, you know, horse sale. And it just, it was just in the cards for us to have this challenging time together. But you know, it's, I know it's going to be very rewarding when I can get him back to, uh, being healthy and sound and feeling good. Um, 
but it's just frustrating to have to go through it. And I've been through this kind of thing before. We all have, like we said, you know, an injured horse or whatever, a long drawn out process, but it doesn't make it any easier, especially because I think one of my biggest things is like, they don't get it. You know, they're a horse. So you can't like explain to them, you, buddy, you have to be on stall rest. <laughs> I know you're used to being turned out and you're used to doing all this stuff, but you, we have to go to the vet. We have to not be riding. We have to do these things so that you can heal and get better. And gosh, that's hard. It's like when you accidentally like step on your dog's paw or something and you can't explain to them, like it was an accident. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's tough to watch. And I know Nicole's story is just unreal what her and her horse have gone through. And not being able to explain to your three-year-old mare <laughs> why she's at the emergency vet again. Yeah, that's been a, a heck of a story. Um, also, one of those, you can do everything right and everything will continue to go wrong. On April 12th, I got the phone call that my horse was laying down thrashing and um, they couldn't get her up. And that's a scary phone call to get. And when I got there, thankfully, I lived fairly close to my boarding barn. I had already called my vet. I had the people at the barn hand-walking her once they were able to get her up, give her banamine. Um, and she just went downhill really fast. And when my vet got there, I gave him like 15 minutes to do what he wanted to do in the field before we made the call. And for some reason, something in my gut just told me that to hook up the truck and trailer. Like I asked somebody to go hook up the truck and trailer, which seems really extreme when your horse has been colicking for a whole 20 minutes. But there was just something in my gut that said we needed to have a trailer ready to go. And, and so we did. And my vet got there and, and he tried running fluids. He did a rectal exam. He did, you know, all the things that you would do during a colic emergency call. And I finally just like called it. I was like, we're putting her on a trailer. And my vet is a very good friend of mine as well. And, and he wholeheartedly agreed and, and was very, you know, like we were very in sync with what we were going to be doing, what our plan was. And, you know, I think one of the biggest things, and this is something that I tell everybody, if your horse does have an emergency call and it's colic, know your plan. Like my vet showed up to the barn and before he had even had a chance to do anything with her, I said, this horse is a candidate for surgery. So, you know, I don't, I don't want to wait until it's too late. I would rather be there a little early and have to pay for her to stay in a hospital overnight than it be so bad that we can't get her on the trailer because she's not standing anymore. So I think that's like the biggest takeaway that I can say is know your plan before it happens so that your vet can come up with a plan too, right? Because like if I had not told him that this horse was a candidate for surgery, we might have waited a little longer to make that call because he wanted to do everything he possibly could in the field before putting her on that trailer and taking her to the hospital. So that's like one of the biggest things that I just feel like I constantly am harping at people now is, you know, know your plan, have a plan and, and, and know it. And so when we got to the hospital, thankfully I live 15 minutes away from Littleton Equine, um, which is probably one of the, you know, a world famous clinic. Um, they have some of the top surgeons in the country. Uh, they are wonderful to work with. I hate that I know this so much. Um, but when I got there, you know, we pulled up and uh, they were waiting for us. They had the surgeons ready to go. The techs were ready to go. The anesthesiologist was there. I mean, everybody was ready to go. And the first thing, again, got out of the trailer or got out of the truck to go to the trailer and said, this horse will go in for surgery. Um, you know, we're not, I, I don't want to wait until it's too late. And 
sure enough, we opened the trailer doors and she was laying down flat. Um, I, you know, it took everything I could to just pull her head up so that she was sitting upright and they ran fluids and they did an ultrasound and they could tell that the colon wasn't where it was supposed to be. So we made the call immediately. We got her into the surgery room and, and did a colic surgery. It was a really intense colic surgery. She had, it was about two hours long. They ended up, her colon was twisted. It was, I believe they said over 270 degrees. I don't remember though. Uh, I was a little shocked with everything else. And, you know, quite honestly, they gave me about four or five different options to four or five different times to even, you know, ask if I wanted to continue because it was so bad. And for some reason, I just knew that she wasn't going to die that day. I just kept saying that over and over. And yeah, so she made it through that surgery and recovery was really hard. Uh, it's still hard. It's we're not recovered. Um, we ended up she ended up staying in the hospital for 11 days uh, for the first surgery because she got colitis from the antibiotics. And, um, you know, that's something that is, uh, you know, you can pass between horses. So obviously we wanted to keep her in isolation until she tested negative. So she ended up getting colitis in the hospital and then we took her home and I have been monitoring this horse probably 20 hours a day. It's crazy. And she just continued to not get better. She was laying down a lot. She was looking at her belly. She was, you know, just signs of colic every day. And so we thought it could be ulcers and we did an ulcer scoping. And then we thought, okay, well, maybe she's just trying to heal still because her colon was in really bad shape. And, you know, her protein levels continued to stay below average. They were in the threes, they were in the fours. And, and for people who aren't familiar with what a normal protein level is for a horse, it's between five and eight. Um, so her protein levels never recovered and, and we continued to do all these things. And finally at the, you know, a couple months went by, we still weren't happy with the results that we were seeing with her recovery. And so we took her in for an ultrasound and saw that there was something abnormal. They didn't know what we kind of assumed it might be an adhesion, right? Apparently adhesions are really common in young horses. Didn't know this. Um, so these are all things that I was learning as <laughs> everything happened. So we saw that happen and we tried a couple different things. We tried a low bulk diet, which they said some horses thrive on. Uh, you know, my horse uh, starved herself and refused to eat the pellets because she loves hay. And uh, quite honestly, when she did eat the pellets, she was still just, you know, showing signs of colic after eating. Uh, so we decided after about a week and a half that that was obviously not the answer. And then we had done a belly tap on her as well when we were at the clinic because she had, you know, and we just wanted to make sure that the cells that were in there were, you know, we wanted to figure out what they were. So we did a belly tap and she had 65,000 cells in her abdomen. And if I remember correctly, I'm not a vet, so please don't quote me on this. I believe they said it's like 2,500 is the normal cell count for a horse in their abdomen. So she had 65,000. So we ended up sending those, um, that off to Cornell and having them culture it and see if there was some bacteria in there so that we could do antibiotics and, and this and that. And it came back and there was nothing, there was no bacteria. So eventually we just decided that she was going to have to go in for an exploratory surgery, which is very scary to think after the first surgery that she went through. So we made that call. And then on June 27th, we 
she went in for a second operation and it ended up being another colic surgery. We got in there and her colon was not only displaced, but she also had right dorsal colitis. So this mare probably had a displaced colon for who knows how long. And she's so dang tough. And I love her for it because it's the only reason that she's alive that, um, we ended up taking out 70% of their, her colon. And uh, I did not know that was a thing before <laughs> going through this. I did not know a horse could live about 70% of their colon. Turns out they can live out live without about 90%. Uh, so that was really shocking. And, uh, you know, this was the right decision for us because knock on wood, she's about two and a half weeks post-op and she's doing really well, but they only gave her about a 50% chance of surviving because her colon was um, so weak, just, you know, it was losing protein and they were afraid the sutures wouldn't hold. So that was really scary. And um, when she made it past the seven day mark and continued to show signs of improvement, the vets became really optimistic that she'll make a full recovery. But yeah, this has been one of the scariest things about owning a horse. Not only is she dealing with weight loss and, you know, all those other things, but I've never had one colic like this before. I, and she's three, she's never colic before in her life. I've had her since she was a yearling. I've never, I think I've, I can count on one hand how many times I've actually, I'd only given her banamine once in her life since I had owned her. And it, it just blew my mind that this could happen to a horse that had never shown signs of it. But unfortunately a twisted colon, you can do everything right. And they'll still twist. And so that was a really tough lesson. With three research-backed ration balancers to fill nutritional gaps in your horse's diet, Enrich Plus delivers a concentrated source of protein, vitamins, and minerals without unnecessary calories. Enrich Plus Senior features active age prebiotic technology and Outlast supplement for aging easy keepers. Omega Match is rich in omega-3 fatty acids and vitamin E, great for horses without access to green grass. Find a ration balancer for your horse at PurinaMills.com forward slash ration balancers or visit your local feed store it's such a tough lesson and like what you've been through with kira has been just horrific um and then like with wilson it's kind of what you're saying like this is a horse that he is finished in multiple disciplines and has you know that old adage like never taken a lame step in his life and it was just timing um and like something that you mentioned that I think is so important. And it was the same with me with, with my gelding is like when your gut tells you something's wrong, you have to listen to it. You know, your horse. And even if you haven't had your horse that long, like if you've been watching their daily habits and you've seen what they're doing and what they're like when they're normal, and then all of a sudden they're not normal, like you got to listen to that. And that was like my gelding. He just, originally I thought, Oh, like walking stifle. Like, that's not that big a deal, right? Like, I can fix a walking stifle with exercises and doing some PT and stuff. And it wasn't that. It's And I just kept telling anyone who would listen, like, there's something deeper here. And like I said, unfortunately, we haven't even gotten to, like, what that deeper thing is. And I'm sure, you know, folks listening, you might be thinking, like, well, have you checked for EPM? Have you checked for kissing spine? Have you checked for all these things? And, like, the answer is yes, right? And we've done all the tests and we've done all the checking and And it's, that's for me, like with my horse, what's so frustrating is that it's an unknown thing right now. Like what happened to you and why, why are you hurting and how can I fix it? And like watching like your three-year-old mare, like hurting and you've gone through so much to fix it. 
Um, it's just, it's, it's crazy what we, you know, the lengths we go to for these animals, but that's what we signed up for. And if you're going to have them and you're going to own them and domesticate them, you got to take care of them. Right. Yeah, no. And, and, uh, having a plan put into place, you know, whether it's an emergency situation like Kira's was, or, you know, something else, know what you can and cannot afford to do. Um, and if you can get insurance on them. Yes. Yeah. If you can get insurance, definitely, uh, look into that because it's, it could be very well worth your time and the initial investment for that. And like, as we're having this conversation, um, I know that, you know, uh, Right now, like Nicole, you're you're worried about your horse, right? You're kind of uh, concerned about Alex, his behavior. Alex, cut this out. Uh, Pedro was in her stall and she was pinning his ear, her ears at him, and he was trying to pet her, and she was pinning her ears more. And I was trying to figure out what was going to happen. <laughs> oh, she bites his face. <laughs> well, I was afraid she was going to swing her hip at him and kick him, and I was like, especially so she's been worried. like weird about being touched lately. Yeah, sorry. So that's why I paused because all of a sudden I saw her like pin her ears at him and he was like trying to pet her. And I was like, <laughs> why are you trying to pet a horse that's telling you to stay away from her? Right. Don't but also, her. why is my horse pinning her ears at people? Because that's not something that she does. <laughs> <laughs> so he just came in to like clean up the poop. Sorry, Alex, you can cut sorry, all Alex. that out. And I'll go back to talking about insurance because I definitely just stop talking because all of a sudden I was like, Pedro, what are you doing? <laughs> you might get bit anyway, in the face. Uh, yeah. Or kicked. <laughs> yeah. But she'll swing her hip at you. Like that's like, Oh my God. Freaking. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so yeah, like one of the biggest things is having a plan put into place and, and knowing if insurance is an option. Obviously I know that not every horse qualifies for insurance. Uh, I know they age out after a certain age, but if you can get insurance on a horse, I highly recommend looking into it because insurance is the reason that my horse was able to have a colic surgery. Uh, and I could, you know, afford to make that decision. Um, so that's something that I have definitely learned from this experience, but also I've, I've also learned that you can have very different experiences from one thing I've had to Devin. I know you've had horses go through colic surgery before I've had a horse go through colic surgery before he had a displacement his surgery was super easy. He recovered very easy. He was home within five days of his surgery. He was back to work within three months of his surgery. We placed top 10 at the quarter horse world championships within a year of his surgery. And he went on to have a really great, long, successful career. But that was my only experience with colic surgery. And this experience has been the complete opposite. Uh, you know, when it comes to horses that have survived colic surgery, obviously. Uh, and yeah, it's been super eye-opening there. Oh, yeah. I had one that had gone through colic surgery, and like yours, he just came out of it great, and he was fine. And then I had another one die like as soon as she hit the table. And uh, colic, oh, my gosh, is such a horrific thing. Um, and, yeah, like what with what's going on with my gelding right now, I have dealt with so much lameness in horses before because that's what you get when you have performance horses, but I've never really dealt with a mystery lameness. And it's so much easier to me to be able to be like, oh, okay, you have, you know, you cut yourself, you have a bowed tendon, you have this, you have that. All right, let's treat it. And it's just so much harder to be like, well, you're off in the back end. <laughs> and 
That's as and after three vets from like the top vets in our area by far, including Colorado State University, you know, vet hospital. Um, it's still just kind of a, a little bit of a question mark as to what happened. And uh, I remember very clearly, I think he says April 12th, the day that you texted me and, you know, we were working and Nicole texted me and, and said, like, my horse is colicking, I have to go. And my initial reaction was, oh, no, you know, they're going to have to, yeah, push fluids. Oh, no, they're going to have to maybe do an exam. They're going to have to maybe tuber. They're going to have to do a couple things like that. That's too bad. Like, that's uh, that's one more thing on your plate. Who knew it would turn into, what are we, three months down the road from that? Yeah, like, yeah. It's it's crazy what the saga this has turned into for you and for Kira. But I'm, it seems like you're kind of on the up and up with her. Yeah, no, I think, you know, I'm afraid to say too much because obviously. Right, with, knock on wood. With Everybody the, knock on wood. With the journey that we've been on, it's been nothing but chaos. Uh, but yeah, she's she's been recovering really well since her second surgery you know they believe that because her colon was in such bad shape that it's going to take a while before it fully heals so we are still dealing with a little bit of uncomfortableness every once in a while but quite honestly within the last two weeks that she's been home this will be tomorrow will be three weeks uh she's well tomorrow will be three weeks from the surgery i'm sorry so she's only been home for it'll be two weeks on thursday and she, we, I've seen great improvement. So I'm super, super confident. But of course, we're still dealing with um, uncomfortable moments. But that's kind of to be expected. She's finally starting to gain a little weight. She's finally getting to eat normal amounts of food. Uh, but I had never dealt with a horse that had a resection before. And uh, if you think colic surgery is complicated without having to resect um, something, I mean, it just makes it that much more complicated, but I'm really fortunate that she will be able to, assuming she recovers completely, like we are optimistic that she will, uh, she'll be able to live a normal life and she'll be able to eat hay and she'll be able to eat grain and she'll be able to, you know, perform the athletic stuff that she was bred to do, which is the reigning. Um, you know, I don't know what level I will compete on her with, but I wasn't, I'm not super worried about that. That's never been my reason for owning her. But yeah, it's, it's shocking. I had no idea. I'd, I'd never experienced a colon resection before. And I think on that note, like it's something that Nicole and I talk about often and what we've been going through with this. Um, if you have a horse that's injured or you have a horse that's going through something traumatic, you got to take care of yourself too, because it is hard on you as the owner. And like, Watching your horse go through two colic surgeries, which, by the way, just imagine your horse, the size of your horse laid out flat on an operating table and like watching them, you know, be cut open. That's traumatizing. <laughs> and so I know Nicole like has some serious um, like trauma from watching that. Right. I mean, that's that's hard on you. Yeah, no, I definitely seen colic surgeries before. Like I said, unfortunately, yeah. this is not the first colic surgery I've, I've had a horse go through, but. Uh, I think the most wild part of it all was when they brought me into the operating room or just like kind of close enough to where I could speak to the surgeon and uh, see what they were doing and make those decisions in that room while my horse is hooked right. up to, you know, has a tube down her throat is, you know, literally cut open with her organs just laying on a table and uh, making the decision on 
if we continue or not because her colon was in such bad shape. They were genuinely concerned that the sutures wouldn't hold and then she would die. Uh, and, and that's a scary thing when they give you a 50% chance of survival because normal colic surgery is now, and again, not a vet, please do not take my advice literally. Uh, but I believe the, the recovery rate is something like 60 to 80% or something. Uh, horses who have colic surgery, it's a 60, 80% chance of, of surviving it or, or something around that. I'm sure we have articles about that on our website for people to look at if they're more interested, but. Uh, when you're given a 50-50% chance of living, you kind of sit there and wonder, like, am I am I putting her through this for nothing? Am I spending a lot of money for nothing? And, you know, thankfully, my mom helped me make that decision that we were going to continue on. My vet, who, again, is a really good friend, I called him after I spoke with the surgeon, and he was like, you've got to keep going. And and I'm really glad we did, because we made it past the seven-day mark, and, and she's doing really well, all things considering. Yeah, those are tough calls to make. It's it's just, uh, but unfortunately, when you own horses, you have to be prepared for those tough calls. So again, if you glean anything from this episode where we're just commiserating about our, our injured and sick horses is that have a plan and be ready to enact that plan, unfortunately. And like on, on my side, the biggest thing that I've been reminded of throughout this whole experience of mine is listen to your gut. I just have known since that day he was dropping his hind in a little bit. It wasn't even terrible that one day, but I was like, there's something wrong with this horse. And a horse like mine, like he doesn't refuse. So all of a sudden he's refusing to pick up a lope to me. And I'm sure to Nicole and like most horse people out there, a sudden change in behavior isn't an attitude problem in my opinion. And that's again, my opinion, right? Um, totally. It's, it's a, there's a deeper issue there. And so, yeah, we're just, we're doing the best we can for our horses. That's all we can do. But if you're going through this too, uh, <laughs> we empathize. We understand. Uh, so anyway, I guess that's kind of all we have for this week's episode. We just kind of wanted to touch base with everybody and let you know what's going on in our horse life. Because we like people to know that, you know, the editors behind this magazine and this podcast, we're we're going through the same things that you guys go through. Uh, you know, it's, it's part of it. And we want you to know that, you know, if, if you're going through something like we totally understand it and we get it. And, you know, I hope that this podcast is informative, but also helps you keep going forward in your horse life and, you know, continue to do the things that you need to do to keep your horse happy and healthy and, and I hope that people don't have to go through what I ever went through, but have a plan put into place because you don't want to be making those decisions uh, when it's happening. Definitely. Just be prepared. Be as prepared as you possibly can and go hug your horse because <laughs> if you're going through all this, you know, you might as well go hug your horse. Anyway, thanks for listening to this week's episode, guys. Uh, we will be back with doing our normal interviewing uh, with, everybody in the industry at uh, the next episode. But thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for being here. Once again, we'd like to thank Purina for sponsoring this episode. 
Thank you guys for tuning into the Ride Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Horse and Rider Magazine on social media and find us at horseandrider.com to see all the cool things that we're up to. And if you have any comments or questions, please be sure to hit us up at horseandrider at equinenetwork.com. We want to hear from you guys. And if you like what you're listening to, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes.